0: I'd like to tell you, say two introductory, to make two introductory remarks, if I may. Uh, the first is that I'd like to wish Mazal Tov to the Cohen family. Mrs. Cohen, Mrs. Robin Cohen is here. Yaakov is here, the proud father. Yaakov, what? <laughs> Zadie is resting. And the is Zadie is resting. So it's a wonderful Simcha, and uh, it's nice to see you. I gave, uh, one week I gave the Shir in Milwaukee, but um, it's not as good as it is in Rishallah. Of course, you know, I speak from my prejudiced point of view. The second thing I'd like to say is that you know that today is the end of the Shiva for the eight uh, young men, men who were killed a week ago and uh, what I think we should do uh, minimally is dedicate the learning that we're going to do tonight with Zichrona but it'll take me a minute to explain that. I'm not such a a fan or a person who understands always what dedicating something means. That's a, I guess, an enterprise for people who have different means than I have. But I never was able to understand what dedication meant. Dedicating something. But when it comes to learning, when it comes to learning Torah, we know that in our tradition, originating in the Gemara in it says O Chabrusa, O Mituta either the chabrusa or death But learning Torah is something that is best accomplished with Safta with people who are trying together to learn the Torah that's the way we've always done it and that's the way It's done best. Because after all, learning Torah is primarily about remembering things. About not forgetting. And it's important that there's always someone else who can help me to make sure that I haven't forgotten. And that there's not something important that I've left out. So when it comes to learning Torah, Learning Torah is a memory thing. It's about remembering who we really are and where we come from and about Matan Torah and Harsina. I mean, that's what learning Torah is. Learning Torah is not, is not about proficiency. Even though it's true that we need people who are proficient. We need doctors of medicine and we need doctors of Torah. But that's not what we usually do when we insist that learning Torah is for every single person that exists. What we do is we try to remember who we are and where we come from. So when I say that we should dedicate this Torah learning to those who were tragically killed a week ago, What I mean is, we should imagine ourselves learning with them, right? Learning with them. And remember, because you know in the long long haul, everything is just memory. No one lives forever. Nothing goes on forever. So we live as a memory. And tonight, I think it's important when we learn that we should think about that. And then every person, you know, wherever you go and wherever, whatever other learning you do, can continue to dedicate. To say, you know, learning is about who we are and where we come from, the tribulations that we have to endure, and the hope that we will overcome somehow and the memory is part of that learning so we're going to learn something about the parsha Vayikra about the parsha Vayikra and uh, we're learning it together with everybody who should be remembered the first pasuk if you look at the sheet the first pasuk of Vayikra says this Vayikra el Moshe Vayidabe Hashem elav me'ol mo'ed mo. that's the first pasuk now the first pasuk has been a problem consistently to the name throughout the ages. And we're going to look carefully at what Rashi says, and then we're going to look at what the Ramban says. Now there's an odd fact about this pasuk, as you could see. And that is the aleph of the word vayukra is smaller than the other letters. Now this itself is a kind of mystery, nobody knows exactly why, but everybody is confident that that's the way it should be written. So let's go through the words, uh, we just noted the Aleph, it's called an Aleph a little Aleph. You write the little Aleph in the word Vayikra, that's the way it's done. Now what does the Pasuk say? And I've told you several times, that the really difficult sukkim are the ones where you understand every word. Right? In this case, we understand every word. Vayikra el-Moshe. And, right, the subject is unknown, but we can certainly supply it, because the end of the book of Shemot was about the presence of God going into the Mishkan, the Ol Moed in Shkam, va'yikra el-, el Moshe, va'yikra el Moshe, and and someone, I guess Hashem, called out to Moshe, va'idaber Hashem elav me Ol Moed leMoshe. So I mean, structurally, it's a little bit annoying. If it's Hashem, then why doesn't the pasuk say va'yikra Hashem el Moshe, va'idaber elav? Why does it say? El Moshe no subject right we don't have the subject written in the pasuk and then vayyadaber Hashem is always a new topic right a new topic may El El okay may El and then you have that word Le Mo is an introduction to a quote right you might even see it not as a word but as a sign like a colon. Le'mor is like a, like a code. But of course it means, and this is what was said, but it doesn't add any special kind of content to the pasuk itself. It didn't matter if it said, <speaking> And then, continue, the word Leimor doesn't seem to help me or give me any new understanding, but we know that all of these pasukim contain the word Leimor. Okay so this is the Pasuk with a few comments and what we're interested in first is seeing how Rashi deals with this. And Rashi is, is quite remarkable, el Moshe. So Rashi doesn't ask the question, but he starts off with the answer, right, which is, I guess, you know, Rashi had high expectations of us as students. So what's the answer? The answer is, Dibrot or Amirot or Kadma kriya. That's the answer. What's the question? Why what? Is the what? Why? Uh, no, no, no. That's not I don't think that's the question. I think the question is why does it say by your cry here and it doesn't say by your cry any place else in the Torah? Well that's the question. What's the answer? It's, it's implied. It's always implied. So now you have another question. Uh, it's always implied. So what does it say? And what's, what's the? I don't know, If it's important, maybe it should be there. If it's not important, so what is why is it here at all? I mean, why is it not to tell you that it's implied? What does it make to me if it's implied or it's not implied? Amirot, These are, these words are verbs that appear in Psukim. Write the word, the verb, Dalek By Daber Hashem al-Moshe. By ha-Hashem al-Moshe. Tsavet v'nei Yisrael. Right, all of these words, are the words that introduce statements. Kadma Kriya. Kadma Kriya. What's Kriya? Rashi says, well, it's all based on Chazal, right? I mean, like, it's Rashi, he's teaching it to us, but it tells the Chazal, L'shochibah. What does the Shom Chibah mean? Shoh, <laughs> the shom Chibah means it doesn't mean anything. It's not an additional verb. It's also not additional content. Right? If like you want to tell your child something, so you might say, oh... Listen, my darling child, but the content is going to be the same. It right? doesn't say it doesn't make any difference. That's called the Shon Chiva. That's the Shon So it tells you something about the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Moshe Abenu, but has nothing to do with content. It doesn't say anything. The it's not telling us anything. That's called the Shon Kiba. And then he goes on and says, the Mishtam Shimbo. Boy, you could really do something with that? It's exalted. The language is exalted because we know that Malache has used use that verb remember that? Someplace? You've heard that before? Right? Even if you didn't memorize Yeshayahu in Kitayud, but you still you know, so Chazal said, you know the The Kara said, is? That's what angels say. That's what angels say. So Akkadish Kodesh Bohu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, "Vikara vaYikra." The Kodesh is saying, You know, you're you're like one of my angels, I guess. Right? That's Lashon Chiba. That's Lashon Chiba. But when it comes to... The vayeh olmota olam. Now, we're not we going that. We know that that's difficult for us. The vayeh Allah. Why did they have the VM And why Bilaam? He was such a bad guy, and he was a true prophet. Let's ignore that. The Gemara said the the Medgar says the vayeh Yes, there is such a thing as the vayeh But But Baruch does not speak to them, saying vayikra. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hashem say? He says lashon tumah, lashon tumah, va'yikar. You know that the word va'yikar is related to the word mikre, right? Mikre, mikre means philosophy, the philosophy of accident. In uh, not philosophy, mikre is something that just happened, chance, happenstance, happenstance. A word like that. It's such a word, right? It just like happens, not important. That's mikre. So when our Kodesh Bokhu speaks to... Also mikre is that word by hikara, is a word that's associated with tum'an, laila Then somebody has a, a nocturnal emission and, and becomes tameh. So that, that's, that's the word, right? So that when God speaks to the Nevi'im, to the prophets who are not Jewish, then uses a different language. Byukar like Elohim... Right. So what? Wow, Rashi is really piling it on here. You know, like he asked a question, he gave an answer, there was some other question and somebody could have hit the other answer. This is like a, a powerhouse Rashi, right? Because Rashi tells us a lot of things. And he hangs it all on the hook of that word by Yikra. And then by implication, even though amazingly Rashi doesn't mention it, Amazingly, because I imagine that Rashi also had a Sefer Torah with a little Aleph in it, right? Right, so you could say, according to Rashi, why is it the Aleph little? According to Rashi. You know, everybody, there are different takes on it. According to Rashi, why is there a little Aleph? Because the Torah wants you to know that Akkadish Bohu purposely spoke to Moshe Abenu using an Aleph. If the olive was the regular sized olive, you would never notice it. You'd say, well, you cry. And that's a Hebrew word. you say, well, well, what else should it say? Well, you make a little olive, you say, hey, how come that olive is little? Right? How come there's a little olive? And then, and then the answer to the question is, well, it's a little olive, because you have to know that that's how, so spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, but to the other guy, the bad guy, it's only, it's without a little olive. Right? I don't it's not written in that odd way, you wouldn't say, hey, how come it's written in that odd way? Right? So, so the answer to that question is also applied in Rashi. Just as Rashi doesn't say. Either for some unknown reason. Or as I said, Rashi had high expectations of us. He thought we would figure it out somehow. So that's the first part of Rashi. Now, now the Rashi's going to get into content. Ba'ikra el Moshe. Hakol olechu Ba'ikra el Moshe. So I mean, what's happening? What's happening? Moshe Rabbeinu hears the voice. And it, the voice hits his ears. Right? Ba'ikol Yisrael. Lo shomit. In other words, the way it worked was God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to B'nei Yisrael. But if God is speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu, how come B'nai Yisrael don't also hear? I mean, they, after all, they're all, if you remember from when we learned about Midbar a year ago, B'nai Yisrael are camped around the old Moed, right? The Moshe Rabbeinu sees that the time is coming, they're all standing there, they all notice it. It's not like they live in Eidlat, or they live in Metula, and something's going on at the Beit HaMikdash, they're all right there. So he says, no, another miracle. va'ikra el Moshe is content according to Rashi. There was a Torah telling us something, saying that Moshe heard it and the other people didn't hear it. That's called content, right? Explanation comes after content. You could say, hey, so why is it so important <laughs> for us to know that? Or what is it that the Torah wants us to be aware of? You can say whatever you want to say, but now we have an inkling of content, by Graal Moshe, but not B'nai Yisrael. It was a miracle. They're all standing together, more or less. They could all yell at each other, and say, hey, you know, coming to the kiddish Shabbos, make your kiddish. They would all hear. They would all hear. But here, but but in this case, they didn't hear that there was a coal. and the coal was itself. as The Ramam says in the Mora of Uchim, the coal was an invention, was a creation of God, and therefore it had its own rules. The rules were that Moshe Rabbeinu heard it, and nobody else heard it. That's what uh, that's what uh, what Rashi says. Yechol la'af la'afsakot ha'itah kriya. So after this, this, is like the magic she's this question. You know about hafsakot? So those of you who, uh, who read the Torah, those of you who read from the Torah, I'm sure, I won't ask you who you are because I might get the wrong answers here. But uh, if you read from the Torah, so you're aware of the fact that there are spaces, Right. Sometimes the spaces are like paragraphs, and sometimes they're big spaces, like the spaces between Sperim, between Shmot and VaYikra, is a space in the handwritten Sefer Torah that we read from in in Shul. Now, of course, in the printed Tanachim, in the printed Tanachim, there was this custom uh, which was started by somebody. And the printing, uh, the printed Tanakhim was the like Goyim. Goyim, that means they're not Jews. Right? Those Tanakhim, they put in a Samach and a Pei to indicate that there was a parsha division. Right? Pei means patuach. Patuach, open, means the line ends. You know, you finish the word, and then the next word is on the next line. Right? That's called patuach. And satum means you finish the word and then there's a space and then the next word starts on the same line. So satum is less of a division than patuach. And patuach is less of a division than between sparim. Right? Between sparim we have three lines. So now Rashi says, Rashi says like an amazing thing. Could you imagine that when God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, he also spoke to him about the spaces? Now, if you didn't know better, and I would say to you that Rashi was like a Hasid Shurebbi, you'd believe it, right? Only a Hasid Shurebbi could say a thing like this. But this is in, in Chazal. Chazal said. He said that it's like, who explained to Moshe Benu about the spaces? Is that also by Yikra El Moshe? That Akkadish said to Moshe, here are the words, now here are the spaces. And the spaces mean something. I mean, no, why have a space if it doesn't mean anything? I mean, that's, that's certainly understandable. Listen again. Yechol ha'plavsakot kriya talgod lomar, vayadaber. So now we understand. Why did say Vayikra Moshe Vayidaber? Because if it didn't say Vayikra Vayidaber you would think, what would you think? That Vayikra includes the spaces. And now we know that Vayikra only includes the Vayidaber and not the spaces. How did Moshe Rabbeinu know there was a space? Oh, another mystery. <coughs> so Rashi says, so if that's the case, if HaKadosh Baruch didn't explain to Moshe Rabbeinu what the spaces were, so what were the spaces talking? Here you go, Rashi's not, not like, afraid, he's going to tell you. This is like a wonderful thing. It's a Wonderful idea. What do you think? What do you think? That Moshe Rabbeinu got the Torah. So we would imagine that. That's what we always say. That there was at least one person in all of history. Who understood the Torah. And his name was Moshe Rabin. Okay, maybe he didn't understand it a hundred percent. But he understood it ninety-nine percent. Right? Because he he was in the the level which is almost the top. Right? Almost as high as you can get. He understood as much as a person could possibly understand. They say, if he understood as much as a person could possibly understand. So what were the spaces for? Spaces for notes. You know, you write in notes. Like people used to write in the Gemaras before everything was on the internet. And you don't have to do that anymore. There was notes. I remember when, I remember there was, uh, when I went to Yeshiva, there was an institute in YU. There was an institute for publication of the Raghachava's writings. The Raghachava's own, his name is Yosef Roshin, and he lived in Dvinsk. Lived in Dvinsk. This is a little town, it had a few Jews in it, and two great rabbinim Ramea Simcha Tzohen Edwinsk, he was the, the Snagit, and Rav Yossin Rosin. he was a Chosid, It's not only a Chosid, he was a Chabad, a Labavashur Chosid, which either makes him a super Chosid or less than sukkah. I don't know, but so yeah, Ramea Simcha, these two great geniuses, they're sitting in this little town, and they're like answering questions. And people say, come in and say, oh, say, can I cook on Shabbos? No. <laughs> you know, I have to have it every day? Yes. You know, like, they had nothing to do. They probably had nothing to do. So they wrote. But Yosef Rosik had no time to write. It was a waste of time. He didn't want to waste his time writing. So what he did was, he wrote his Hidushim on the margins of his Gemara. So while he was learning he wrote the Kiddushim but there's not some, so much what do you need a machon for what do you need an institute to publish the writings of the Ragachova. you get a guy nice, sits down and writes it up and you have the writings of the Raghatshava but what happened was the Raghatshava didn't have so much room on the margin right there's not so much room so what he did was he didn't write any words he only wrote abbreviations he wrote the first letter of every word that he wanted to write <laughs> And then, by doing that, he had a lot of room. He had a lot of room, so, by, so he had a lot of room. And then, nobody knew what he wrote. So, it took, like, you know, another 20 very smart people to try to figure out what it was that he was possibly saying. The same thing is true, and this is in the, in the library. One of the Khabrusas of Rabbi Yosef Rosin, the Raghachava, was the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Not the present Lubavitcher. <laughs> <laughs> the immediate prior. The present Lubavitcher. They used to learn together. But they were not in the same. They weren't they were For a while, they were in the same place. But, the, but the Machemedel Schneerson went away from that place. And he used to go with his father-in-law. He used to travel around. So they learned by sending postcards to each other. These postcards exist. Or at least some of them, you know, exist. And both of them use this system. If you, I don't know if you know what a postcard is. You <laughs> to be a certain age to know what a postcard is. A postcard is like a card. You write on it and you mail it, right? You can mail postcards. So it was like a full email. So they used to write postcards to each other. I guess they gave you stamped. You know, you could buy postcards from a stamp. You have to worry about it. So they used to write to each other, but only in abbreviations. Both of them. And they, neither of them wrote a word. On the, but there was not a single word on the postcard. There were only Rachei Tevot, what we call Rachei Tevot, the first letter of every word. And that's how they wrote to each other. And apparently, they got a long fine. You know? <laughs> but most people can't do that. So what are the spaces for? So that's why there's a margin in the Gemara, right? The margin in the Gemara so that you could add. You know, the Gemara is Jewish history. There's Tanoim, Ka'omim, Backyard Achronim. So they have to leave you a little room for you to put in your chapter of Jewish history. Right? So that's the, that's the margin. Here the question in Rashi is, what are the spaces for? Why were they important, these spaces in the Torah? litin revach Moshe litbonin parasha le parasha ubein inyan le so that Moshe Rabbeinu could learn and was Moshe Rabbeinu was not just the best mp3 player that was ever invented or 4 or 5 or 6 or whatever it is, right? he wasn't just able to remember what he was taught but he was able to think about it how do you know, where was he supposed to think? Spaces? Moshe Abe came to his face and he said, well, oh, I better think. Goes, oh, I better, like, you know, figure it out here. This is what Rashi says. This is what Rashi says. When it's based on the Mekush. And then he says, he, The Mekush says, Tao vachomel head yot. Tao You know, surely this is true for a head yot. What's a head yot? Anybody who's not Moshe Abe. In this case, head yot means always the regular one. But right? It doesn't mean. The stupid one. It means the regular one. Right? So the, the extraordinary one is called Moshe Rabbeinu. And the regular one is everybody else. Right? Everybody else except Moshe Rabbeinu. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu had to think about the Torah. So we also have to think about the Torah. So you have, you have, you have to understand. So that that's what learning Torah is. So there's it's a difference between knowing something and thinking about it. Right? So you have to the things you have to know. The things you have to know because... You have to live. You can't say, you know, I'll figure out how to keep Shabbos after I learn everything you have to learn about Shabbos. I mean, it doesn't work out. So you, have to take, you take a book and it says, do this, do that, and you hope that somehow if you follow the book, when you get to Gan Eden, they'll say, how was it? And you say, I followed the book. And they say, okay, you're in. Right? But after you figure out how to follow the book, you've got to learn the spaces you've got to be like, involved in how it got to the book that's called learning Torah and that's the other thing that's called. that's called knowing things knowing things fine it's important to know things but that's not what learning Torah is learning Torah is stopping at the spaces and considering what it is that's really going on that's Rashi so Rashi explained to us Vayikra el-Moshe That God, that the Vayikra el-Moshe only applies to the Vayidabe, to what God said and not to the spaces. Why are there spaces? Because even Moshe Abed has to think about what he's learning. Impossible. Next part of the Rashi, okay? Vayidabe Hashem Elah. Vayidabe Hashem Elah. You see the simple pasuk. But was this like when we said that at the beginning? Didn't we say that? All the words are clear, it's understood, we know what the pasuk is saying. Basically, here's Rashi. He's not letting us go without explaining every single word and phrase in this pasuk. Elah, <laughs> et Only Moshe Rabbeinu, and not Aharon. Even though, Aharon and Moshe Rabbeinu had a similar connection to the Mishkan, to the Olamu'ed, because... Moshe Rabbeinu during the eight days of Mililin was the Kohen Gadol. And on the 8th day, on the 8th day, um, Aaron, as Aaron became the Kohen. So they, but Moshe Rabbeinu didn't really lose it. He didn't lose the Kuhunah. But the Kuhunah was passed to Aaron and his family. Whereas Moshe Rabbeinu's Kuhunah was limited to him. He was the Kohen. But not his family. Right? So Elad to Aaron. Rabbi Huda ben Betayro Omer, Shloshah Asa Dibroth neemru batarella moshevela aron, Ukinegdam neemru Shloshah Asa mi utin la medcha, Sheb, Lo la aro neemru ella la moshe, Shioma la aro. Vela hen Shloshah Asa Right, there's a whole list. In other words, somehow uh, this is not our topic right now. I mean, I'd like to go, you know, to go beyond this because we just don't have, we don't have the time. But but the Medjish points out that there are times when God spoke to Moshe and Aaron together in Mitzrayim. And Ezra, but there are other times when in the Torah uh, uh, Hashem speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu, excluding Aaron. In other words, Aaron was then the next level. He learned the Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu. But there what times that Aaron was able to hear what Hashem wanted directly? Right? Okay. Me'ol moed. If you skip uh, down two lines, I think you see the me'ol moed is written in Rashi script. And the, and the Rashi is written in regular script the Chumash is written in Rashi script and the, regular, uh, the Rashi is written in regular script which I guess is like somebody with a sense of humor did that this, is, this I think is from the, uh, the This is uh, oh no I mean, there are so many ways to get things on the internet that I can't remember where exactly they all come from but this comes from Rashi you can, uh, you can type in Rashi and out comes Rashi not in person, but but you have to go to that museum in Tel Aviv, and then Rashi comes out. Oel moed, may oel moed, oel moed, right? May from oel moed. Malamecha ya kol That the may oel moed, according to Rashi, means that it always stayed in O'el Mo'ed. Nei O'el Mo'ed meaning in O'el Mo'ed. And then the Medrash says this. Yachol Shachol Maybe it didn't go out of the Olmo Mo'ed because uh, it just was a, su- a quiet voice. It was not so loud. So you couldn't hear it outside. Talmud Loma Et, kol, et HaKol MaHu HaKol Right, the Tosuk above. What is the call? Who a call Hamid for Rashi B'tihilim? It's the call that is spoken about in the passage in Tehilim. Call Hashem b'Koach, b'Koach, b'Koach Hashem b'Hadar, Hashem So, as we know that Call Hashem is always strong, right? The passage says, Call Hashem strong, Call Hashem strong, Call Hashem strong, and therefore, the Call Hashem Me Ol Moed must have also been a strong voice. So how come you didn't hear it outside of the ol How come? Another miracle. The voice was a powerful, strong voice, but it stopped at the, at the entrance to ol That was it. If you were at the ol you could hear it. But if you were outside of the ol you couldn't hear it, in spite of the fact that we know that the voice of Hashem is chazak, is always chazak. Okay, "Bo, this is a pasuk." The kol kanfei Kuvim, nishma ad hechatser ha'chitzol na. Clearly, much further, right? Even the kanfei Kuvim was heard outside. Ya'chol shachol namuch habodoman kekol ker she'day bedabro. It's just like the voice of God speaking. It know, the voice of the khamathayim, the the, uh, the wings of the Kruvin, when they moved about, was was heard even outside of the of the Beit Hamikdash, just as the voice of Hashem was heard outside of the Beit Hamikdash. So why does the pasuk say only until the outer courtyard uh, she sham because that was also the place, but it got out of the, out of the Kodesh, but into the air, and then it stopped. So that always the voice that comes from Hashem has these two qualities. One, on the one hand, Chazat, a very powerful voice. On the other hand, it doesn't act like a regular sound. It doesn't just keep going on until it dissipates because of whatever else is around in the air. But it stops, and it's always strong. It doesn't weaken as it goes along, but it's always the same until it stops. Now, we all know, all right. all know, that the voice came from between the Kruvim, the cherubs that were on top of the Kairush Kaporet, which is the top part of the Aron. Le-more. Say the emor lahem. Le-more. What is Leimor? What did I say to you? What is Leimor? Amor introduces a quote. It's like, it's like a colon. Leimor is like a colon. What does Rashi say? Rashi says Bravender is wrong. <laughs> Say <laughs> what are the emolahem the reiki What What is the reiki bulshin? The words that they will be attracted to, which will, which will be good for them. Bishvilchem who me. Bishvilchem, you should go out to tell the Yisrael. Look, Hashem was talking to me for you. It's for your good. That this conversation goes on. All of the thirty-eight years that Bnei were wandering around the desert, Kim Dim, Minu Dim, Minu Nidui—they were not part of the world. They were just wandering around in the desert. You know, the desert is not part of the world. It's not part of the created world. That's what the Medrash says in Berakha that Rabba that a desert means nobody lives there. Nobody lives there. Means it really wasn't created. It's all creation. It's more people who live in the created world. So midbar is understood by the Pirkei der Avot later. The Maharal picks up the idea that midbar is a place which is not yet formulated. It's not really finished. It's not the way God wanted the world to be, and therefore there was no real option to stay in the midbar. You had to go. You had to go to Eretz Yisrael. And he says, this is what, uh, in the 38 years, right? The 38 years started from the Chet Hamaraglin. And until the end, all in all, they were, they took 40 years to get from the triumph to Eretz Yisrael. But two years was that things were happening. You know, at 38 years, nothing was happening. 38 years, they just wandered around. And, and nothing particularly except that They learned the Torah lo mityechei hadibur minam ravim ve'elach lo mityechei hadibur and Moshe she ne'emar that God did not uh, 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 and Moshe Rabbeinu did not cleave to each other through this word she ne'emar v'ayikei she Khamala Mut Anshem l'chama lamut after they all died then God spoke to me e'lai haya hadibur right I spoke to me The cher Another way of explaining. Another way of explaining what? Which word? Lemor. Lemor means, bring me the answer. Tell me what they say. Tell me uh, So Rashi Rashi set up the ground rules. For learning a Pasuk in Chumash. And the ground world's rules are, every word counts. That's Rashi. And that's, our, that's what we learn. If you go to Chedem, right? What's the first Pasuk a child learns a By el Moshe. Hashem The first Pasuk that a child learns in his life. Right? We would call that now today uh, a formulating experience. You know, like, imagine that. Of course, the kid, he knows he's going to get candy. Because that's how it is in Cheder. Cheder, Torah learning in the Cheder is based on never ending bribery. And the amazing thing is that it seems to work. The kids expecting to get another piece of candy get up early in the morning and run to the cheder, And everybody, of course, insists that this is a wondrous educational method. I guess it is. I mean, you know, I'm not arguing the case, but I mean, it's a piece of candy. Now, the first fosuk that that kid learns before he gets his first piece of candy is this fosuk. It's this fosuk. And since in the cheder nobody's modern, you know, everybody's like old-fashioned, So the Rebbe in the Fader, what do you think he tells the kids? He tells them Rashi. Because he has nothing else to tell them. He never learned anything else. He didn't learn like some modern commentary written in English. He learned Rashi. So he teaches Rashi. So if he's the first connection that a kid has to Torah is this, I mean, of course, I guess he waters it down a little bit, doesn't tell him everything, but the first connection a kid has to Torah is every word counts. That's it. That's the first and becomes the ultimate teacher. And this is what Rashi said. And Rashi taught us this, about that, about the other thing, all kinds of interesting things to this Rashi, but basically, not basically, but essentially what Rashi taught us is that even if you have a Pasuk like this, Which seems to be introductory, seems to be a banner headline for what's coming, seems to be just an introduction to something that's really important. Rashi said, "No, the whole story is in this pasuk. There's just no end to the story that's in that pasuk, and that's what Torah. That's what Talmud Torah is. Talmud Torah is like peeling away." the outside, there, the husks, and, and getting more and more and more, and you not how much you peel, there's always something else to keep peeling. That's the Rashi. Now, let's look at the Rambam. Let us look at the Rambam. We're not going to be able to do this. I got too excited about Rashi. But we're going to try. Here's the Rambam. The Rambam knows Rashi. Right? That's how he learned He went to Chayr. He learned Rashi. So he doesn't to have to do what Rashi did. No one has to do what Rashi did. Even though there's a little bit, the Rashbab is similar to Rashi sometimes, but the Rashbab himself says, Rashi, he, he, like closed, he closed the business. But you can't be Rashi to Rashi. End of our business. So the Ramman doesn't want to be Rashi. He wants to be the Rahman. But he thinks that everybody knows Rashi. And he's probably right. So let's see what the Ramban says. The Ramban says this Moshevi In other words, there's a piece of information here according to the Ramban. And that piece of information is that in order for Moshe Rabbeinu to go to the Moed, God had to call him it wasn't that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't just say, you know, oh, like we, we learned the last piece of Torah, and now we did Chazorah on the last piece of Torah, and I need a new piece. got like I teach something. So you go to the old no, it's not like that. Moshe Rabbeinu went to the ol when the Kodesh recalled called it. And that's what the words like Kra and Moshe mean. And therefore, it only has to appear once in the Torah. It was once the Torah says that Moshe Rabbeinu only went to the ol when... Vayikra el Moshe when he was called then the Torah is not the same Vayikra Moshe every time that's sort of like uh, it's unnecessary we know that already that's the that's the Rabbanus position he says Vayavur shelo yad Moshe yachol avor ol bohe liyot digash the second line liyot digash ala makom ashesham elokim rak v'kriyash yikra otosh shifad heba el Moshe v'no'ad etik lecha shav is another possible do'aveti l'chasham, v'dibarti i'cham me'alach ha'poret, asher i'va'ed l'chashamah. You know, do we already know that God is going to talk to Moshe Rabbeinu from the Mishkan, from the from the Aron HaKodesh. We know that. So in the Torah is not going to tell us that again. <coughs> the Torah is us something new, which is why he crowned Moshe, that Moshe only went when he was called. V'kei uh, v'l sh'yeda Hashem, Hashem k'ruvim sham. Since Moshe Rabbeinu knew that God is there somehow, whatever that means, but that God is there on the aroma, between the koruvim, nikiare l'avodah, cloud, it makes sense that Moshe Rabbeinu would fear coming to the ol at that time. Actually, cried love, because and this is the rabban. Rabban has a thing with this, right? We've talked about it several times. Rabban thinks that the oil Moed is Har Sinai. Har Sinai went into oil Moed. And so just like in Har Sinai, Moshe Rav didn't go about the Har until he was called by college Kodesh who, come, he saw the, uh, the Anan, but he saw the Anan as being a Bechitsa. I can't go there. I can't go there. But when Moshed said, come, then he was able to go So he translated that automatically. Even if you don't say that Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid. He doesn't mean afraid in the sense that he was nervous or frightened. He means he was afraid of doing the wrong thing. And since how do we know what's right and what's wrong? I mean, like one of the primary ways is we make kind of mishma'ot. Right? We equate this case to that case. I mean, that's how we know. I mean, because cases don't uh, 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 repeat themselves perfectly. It's not true that what happened yesterday happens today exactly again, and I know what to do. But I have to somehow figure out to, to make this Mishwa. Moshe Rabbeinu said, if when I was supposed to go up by Ar 9 and get the Torah for the first time, I couldn't go until I was cold, what am I doing now? I'm also going to get the Torah. I'm also going to go on the way to get Torah. So I mean, little Ura, little Ura. doesn't mean that he was afraid. He was afraid of doing the wrong thing. He wasn't afraid of something. But he didn't want to do the wrong thing. And he thought that the right thing was what he did. That's what, that's what the, uh, that's what the Ramban says. Or maybe, maybe it was that Moshe Abedin didn't really know what the situation is. In other words, he didn't know what's in the O'Hara. He saw that the cloud was on the Olam. But maybe he didn't always know what was going on in Olam. He couldn't just stand there all the time waiting to see if the cloud of God's uh, glory was in the tent. But he couldn't do that. He had to, he had to do other things. You know, he was like uh, in charge. He had to make telephone calls. He had to write himself little notes. He had to you know, tell the secretaries what to do. He couldn't just stand by the Olam all the time. So he didn't. So what's this got to do with anything? So you see. Remember, we mentioned that at the end of Shmot, there is no mention of the Yemei Miluim. Where are the Yemei Miluim mentioned? right in the parsha of Shmini. Right, the parsha of Shmini. Nevertheless, Chazal try to somehow accommodate the notion of yumei miluim into these parashiyot of the end of Shemot and this puzzle at the beginning of Yitra and the Chazal said the Chazal said lo anana shmini kidat so even if you'll say it, 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 it's like, like the Ramat doesn't know I mean let, let's, let's put it simply the a doesn't know why Moshe Rabbeinu had to be called. Why this Yikra El Moshe is such a big deal. Because, obviously, Moshe Rabbeinu would know that he's supposed to go. Either he would know it because he would know it in his, you know, in his heart, in his mind. Or Kodesh Bokh would speak to him, or, or however, however he knew it. He, he, he would know it. I mean, what is the, what is the issue? Kodesh Bokh has spoken to Moshe Rabbeinu tens of times. Maybe more than tens of times, over and over again, he taught in the Vashem Mishpatim, Sham, some lochotim Mishpat, all those mitzvot. So, so what is it why you cry, Moshe? So first Raman says, well, maybe he didn't know. And maybe he wasn't sure. and Maybe he was afraid. And now he says, well, maybe, uh, uh, the, the cloud was not really there yet, because it didn't come until the eighth day right? Baharea, kriya, bo Moshe, the fi, the night of the thing, to Moshe Dar shoe. Moshe so after, by Iqbal Moshe. So in other words, that I think that far from explaining the pasuk, like you said by crown Moshe. What's the Ramadan's question? Why did Akhoshav have to call Moshe Rabbeinu? Why do we have to know that Akhoshav called Moshe Rabbeinu? Every prophet. Gets information from our Kodesh Hu, and then acts on that information. Certainly Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, hey, Moshe, what's doing? What, what is that for? What do we need that for? So the Ramban said, well maybe he didn't know this, maybe that wasn't settled, maybe that was settled. knows the Ramban, the Ramban in his way is setting us up. This is my understanding. What do you mean setting you up? I don't know if if you've ever been teachers, some of you certainly have, but you know that students, whether they're young or old, they want to know the answer. They don't want to know the question. Because students are trained, students tell me did and tell me don't, are trained that there's going to be a test. And on the test, there's going to be a question. And that question has to have an answer. And they're not interested in it much except the answer. I'm talking about the good students. Not the students who are not interested in anything. Talk about the good students. No those those that those nerdy types. They just they, they don't want to know what the problem is. They don't want to know what the answer is. So Ramban, if the Ramban would be nice to us. So he tells us. Like, oh, shit, what you what are you doing? What do you tell maybe it's this and maybe it's that and maybe it's the other thing? And so what happens the teacher says, what does the Rabban say about Faikra Moshe? Maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's the other thing, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. So I said that the Rabban is setting us up. The Ramban is showing us that there is a lacuna in our knowledge. Like we're missing something. We're missing something. Why? Why? Because obviously Rabban is going to like provide it for us. But it's going to come from a place where if we weren't convinced that we were missing something, we wouldn't be interested. You say, ah, you know, that. Anybody can say that. You know, but once he convinces us that we don't know the shot, then we might be willing to accept his tour the force, or what he thinks is a tour the force. And listen to what it, what it says. This is what it says. He says, says, he says, Aaron b'bal yavu, let Moshe b'bal It right? is a la. Baal means lo. Lamed alaf. Right? B'al yavu means Aaron can't come to call. Eishel HaKodesh. If you remember the Kriya Sateri that we said, Yom HaKipur We also happen to read it in the of Achremos, but it's not as distinguished a day. So, that Aaron HaKodesh was not able to go into the Kodesh whenever he wanted. But Moshe Abeidu was. So Moshe Abeidu was. So we still we don't understand exactly. Uh, uh, we don't understand exactly because if Moshe Abeidu didn't know whether God wanted to speak to Moshe Abeidu or not, he could have peeked. You know, he's like, hey, like, you know, what's going on? Or like, check the board, you know, the bulletin board that says Moshe, 8 o'clock appointment, with, you know, that kind of thing. So he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Why not? And then he refers to another peirush that he gave, which we're going to see in the continuation. Now listen. So in other words, if you look at pshat, pshat means I read the words and I try to figure out what they mean. If you read the words and try to figure out what they mean, you don't get a unique answer to the question of a proud Moshe. Even though Rashi offered us a unique answer, Rashi told us what it was that was going on, the Ramban says, "Let's start over again." Rashi does it by quoting Chazal, right? He's like he's like putting in information that's not in the Chumash, okay? Well, what if you don't want to do that? What if you want to just try to say, "Here are the words. Let's see. We should be able to figure out something by reading the words." I think mean, the Ramban from that point of view is modern. He's what's called a pashtan. A pashtan means. That even if you don't have outside information, which of course is not ever possible. Everybody goes to the text with some, whatever he's carrying around with him on his knapsack of information. But Rashi, like he said, it's in Chazal. The answer is in Chazal, whatever you ask. Go and look at Chazal. The Raman said, let's not look at Chazal. Let's just look at the pasuk. And let's see if the pasuk tells us something. So The Rahman says, well, this is, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's the other. So, In other words, he, the Rahman is convincing us that there should be an answer, but that we don't know what that answer is. Right? That's, that's the Raman as a teacher. He's like setting me up. Raboteno Amru Remember that, Rashi? Remember the Chazal said that? So the Chazal say the whole purpose of Chazal Moshe is something else. It doesn't tell us anything about the situation, about Moshe Rabbeinu, about, the Bokho, about their relationship. It doesn't tell us about it. There's something else. But about, Zedera Chibab is we talked about that, right? Chibab is Second thing that Rashi said, right? That, 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 uh Moshe teaches us that it was always by Moshe. Every time that God spoke to Moshe, it was by Moshe. Because there's chibah and ziruz; those are two good words, right? About which you can make nice drashot for almost any Jewish simcha, including that uh, Brit Milah. Chibah, ziruz—you can't miss with those words. Uh, uh, okay. So that's what, that Rabatainu of Amr, so, so what, what does that mean? No, what? No, not, 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 not the Rambam, not not pshat. Pshat, yes sir. not Pshat. In other words, it's like the Ramban says, look I, I know that, I know what Chazal. said. I, I know it from Russia, I know it from Chazal. This is what they say, but it's not pshat to say that this one is here but they did it every time or to say I mean, it's like a kind of uh, it's an invention it's good, it's important, it's significant it's serious, it tells me something but it's not shot so then comes to the Ramban and the Ramban says ume'o'el mo'et no so what about those words we all know, may ol moed, right? That according to may moed means that the voice that Moshe Bena heard stays in the ol moed, right? May ol moed in the ol right? moed, that it stopped at the door, it was loud and clear, but you couldn't hear it outside. Could not over here, Kisa. So he says, the Ramban says, may ol moed ledatam who mukdam. You know that there is this. Idea of a Mukdam v'Muchah Torah, right? That the order of things in the Torah is not necessarily chronological. That word necessary, you have to say necessarily, right? The order of things in the Torah is not necessarily chronological, because usually. It is chronological. Avroam comes before Yitzchot, and Yitzchot, so you Yaakov, and before Yosef, and before Moshe, right, chronological. But sometimes it's not. Now beyond that, there's another idea. That the words in the pasuk are not necessarily in order. That the words in the pasuk are not necessarily in order. The model for this idea is, by Yarom Tolaim, Vayiv ash, vayaron tola'im vayiv ash. What's the subject? What are we talking about? The man, right? If you, if you took too much man, if you if you like hoarded it or were glutton, or acted gluttonously, so it would get ruined. The man would become spoiled. Vayaron tola'im vayiv ash. It became wormy, and vayiv ash. What is vayiv ash? You know, like stinky. <coughs> like, so, It's not right. First, first there was Vayivash, and then there was Vayerom Tolaim. Tolaim is the last stage of, of somebody becoming rancid. Like, first it starts smelling a little, and then if you leave it, then the worms will find it. That's what the Rishonim all say. And the answer to the question, there are two answers to the question. One answer to the question is, I think Dibanesh says this, one answer to the question is, it was a miracle. Enochinami, hey, what? I it was mine. But, uh, but even man spoiling is a miracle. Not only man appearing is a, is a miracle, but man spoiling is a miracle. Now the other answer is, okay, so the words are not written in the right order. Right? Really, what the pasuk means is vayarom So this is the pasuk that teaches me that there's a possibility that words that words are not written in the right order in a pasuk itself. Who disagrees with both of these principles? Malvin, yeah. But who disagrees vehemently with these two ideas? The Rambam. The Ramban, of course, disagrees. The Ramban thinks everything is in order. And everything is the way it should be. Which means that, as far as he is able, he's always going to make a case for chronology. Always to say that the order of things in the Torah is correct. Including this, what the Ramban here quotes, Chazal, who said, 'er according to Chazal, meaning, it has to be put in a different place in the pasuk. You have to rearrange the words. In other words, he called to Moshe a comet in the o'el and then he spoke to him in the o'el The Ramban doesn't even have to say that he doesn't agree with this. Because we all know that he doesn't agree. So he's just quoting Chazal to tell us that this was a hopeless kind of situation. This Pasuk was hopeless. There's no way to understand why Moshe needed this advanced warning. There's no way to understand why the pasuk is written in the wrong sequence of words. All of these explanations, according to the Rabban, do not work. And then again, Shiura Kathu Kafib Shuto Umashma'o in other words no no you can't just mess around with the words the pasuk should be read as it is written so we say to the Rambam, ok I'm willing to read the pasuk as it is written what does it mean well, how do I get the answer to all of these questions so now instead of having been Done. You know, it's like, we've like totally, we're totally wrapped here. We're up to the last line in the Ramban. We don't know what the Pshat of the Posuk is. So the Ramban has us hanging, you know, from some gallows there. I mean, how can we leave? Sheer. And not know the simple Pshat of the first Posuk in, in Vayikro? I mean, it would be too much of an embarrassment, so the Ramban says. So go, Yadua mimamat, har sinai, uvaseret, hajibrot. Uchavar, Ramasti, no. so the Ramban says the Ramban says as is brought in the Abu Sahula, Abu Sahula is the name of a commentary on the Ramban who explained all these Kabbalistic allusions I may have mentioned that the three major commentaries on the Ramban who explained the Kabbalah, the Kabbalistic allusion, not Kabbalah but the references to Kabbalah are the Reved and He's uh, a very popular play, which all Everybody knows it. Uh, the Rakanati and Abu Sahula. Now I don't know why the commentaries on the Kabbalah part of the Ramban have funny names. I don't, I don't know. I can't answer that question. But those other ones, now, in this case, Abu Sahula, that was his family name. His name was Shmuel, I think. His, his uh, personal name. He was a Talmud of the tradition of Kabbalistic understanding, and they say it very simple. They say it very simple. We go back to the beginning of what we learned in the Rambam that the Mishkan is Har Sinai, and the Mishkan therefore Moshe Rabbeinu had to act in the Mishkan as he acted at Har Sinai, and if Har Sinai was, if Har Sinai was. God said to Moshe Avedo, Alei El-haha, right, go up to the heart. that it had to be, that had to be that, uh, in, in terms of, of getting the continuation of the Torah, the same thing would be true. In the language of the Abba Sahula. Right, this, I told you something that is like simple pshat, right, you could say, everybody could say, but in the language of the Abba Sahula, When Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountain, there was a change in the reality of God's relationship to the world. If you don't understand what I'm saying, don't get nervous. I may also not understand what I'm saying. Matan Torah was not only about God giving the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu, to pass on to B'nai Yisrael, but the stage had to be set for a transfer from God to B'nai Yisrael, an almost inconceivable event. Again, I believe it. I'm just trying to imagine it. It's very hard to imagine because God is God and we are we. right? And, and anything that has to do with an event in which there's a connection between God and us seems difficult to understand. Along comes the Ramban. And he says that the system developed by the Kabbalah which speaks about Sfirot. Svirot? Right? Sfirot? In the old country everybody used to know the Sfirot. because when you counted Sfirot Ta'omer, you had to say in the Ribbono Shel at the end of Sfirot Ta'omer, you had to say what today was. Today, you know, Sfirot Ta'omer is 49 days. 49 days, believe it or not, is seven times seven. So if you count the seven according to the according to the Sfira, So if you do that for 49 days, you learn it by heart. And never did it. but today, because everybody's a litvak, and we all know that uh, uh, we all know that the Nochri Yehuda didn't like Kabbalah, and he, it's reported, although debated, that when somebody got up to Daven in, in the Nod of Yehuda shul and counted the Omar, he wouldn't let them say Hineni Muhannim Mizuman. Or, count, say the Rebona Shalom at the end, we have to count the, the Sfirah. Right, so we've made a P'shara. Right, in our schools, any is they just count Sfirah Because that seems to be what the Mitzvah is. With kids, there's an inclination to sing hinini Muchana Muzumah. Even though nobody knows what they're singing, but they like the tune. You know, it's like singing hatikva. Like, you know, nobody knows what the words are, but everybody likes the tune. Uh, uh, so, so they sing it. So, the same thing is true with to Oma. They sing, but they don't sing, because it's too old. And there's no tune. There's no tune, so it's an impossible hurdle. So, today, nobody knows the Svi'roth. So, what are the Svi-rot? Forget it. if I had to say it in our cassettes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you Svi'roth in a sentence. The idea of the Sfirot is that there's the unknowable God, the unknowable God which is the ein Sof. ein Sof means like infinite, the infinite. And we can't know anything about that. But God allows himself to be known to us because God acts in our world in different ways. In the world, the ways of Chesed, the ways of Gvura, the ways of Teferet. And, and therefore we can know about God through actions. Now this is very similar to what the Raman says and everybody says, except that it, it, the capitalists created a system, right? They said, oh, it's a chesed, oh, it's a gurah. But the Rav said, a god acts uh, to the world in chesed, a I right? didn't say it's a system, right? So, so that's what let it say. That's what they're Now, what are we doing here? I mean, what is this? why is it important for us to know this? I'm speaking as a Kabbalist, not that I am a Kabbalist. I'm speaking for the Kabbalists. Why is it important to know that there are spherot? I mean, who cares if there are spherot? Because spherot, if I use the of spherot, it gives us an opportunity. It's not only that, God can be known somewhat to us by the spherot, but the spherot presents us with an opportunity. And what's that opportunity? Of uh, putting it back together again. Like spherot is, is breaking up God. Like God is, we know that God is one. But then there are Svirot. So we, somehow, if we do the Mitzvot, we act right, there, properly, etc., so we can put it well, back together again. What are the critical Svirot that have to be put back together again? This I'll just tell you, but I'm not going to explain it. Again, maybe I can't. The critical Svirot are Tiferet, which equals Torah, which equals Yaakov Avinu, right? Tiferet. And Malchut. Malchut is the, the sphira from which the Shefa goes into the world. So that if you can, if you can, any one of you can put together this error with Malchut, you've basically done it. Because once you've done that, all the Sriro, all the other sphira fall into line. Right? So that's what we want to do. So when Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai, According to the Ramban, according to the Abba when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai, he had to do something preparatory. He had to do something to make the transfer of the Torah possible. In order to do that, in order to do that, there had to be a unified vision of God. The people who were standing at Har Sinai had to see a God. And not aspects of God, so to speak. They knew in their heads that God is one. That wasn't the issue. The issue was, what do I see? What do I see about God acting, like somebody, like people say, in his history, we don't know what's happening, how did God let this happen? That, that happens, so you come to the conclusion that well, you know, you have to think of it this way and sometimes, and that way sometimes, and that's called pirut. That's division. Moshe Rabbeinu, going up to Hasinat, had to put it all together. In order to put it all together, There had to be a call to Moshe Rabbeinu saying now is the time to do it. Now you can come up to God. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu was going to do it, but Moshe Rabbeinu could only do it if God said do it. And so the imitation in the Mishkan of Be'ikra'a Moshe of Alei HaShem that just like Moshe Rabbeinu had to do it at Har Sinai Moshe HaVedul had to keep on doing it. Keep on doing it when he received more and more and more of the Torah. So, you'll think about that. What I wanted you to understand is that the the Ramban is setting us up. And he said, if you really want to understand why this Pasuk is in the Torah, you need to be armed with information that people do not have intuitively. Because if you just read the pasuk, you're going to come up against a a dead end here, and a dead end there, you're not going to get it. But if you're willing to allow for the idea that there's a soul, that there's something in this pasuk, or there's something that this, this pasuk is referencing, which comes to us in a different language, then you will understand what I mean when I say that just as at Sinai, so too at the Mishkan. That this comparison or relationship is not formalistic. It's not like, say, if Moshe Abedinu took ten steps this way, so when he goes to the Oloi, he also takes ten steps that way. But the relationship is essential. And that means that just as Moshe Abedinu had to prepare the universe for the acceptance or the passage of the Torah from heaven to B'nai Yisrael, so does Moshe Rabbeinu have to continue preparing that universe for every piece of Torah which is garnered for B'nai Yisrael. Have a good Shabbos.